0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned, attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys
0: available. This is Michael Harlan Turkell, host of The Food Scene. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and In the Drink comes to you from uh, live at 10 a.m. from Roberta's here in uh, Bushwick, New York, and um, you can also listen to all of our episodes on heritageradionetwork.org or iTunes, and uh, when I'm not hosting In the Drink, you can find me at one of our restaurants where I'm the beverage director at Del Anima, Lartuzzi and Fora and Lepicho on each East 1st Street um, and today we have a uh, a neighbor of ours from uh, Lepicho I know that uh, the the whole team after uh, Lepicho either after work either goes to you know they either go to the uh the Dive Bar slancha, or, or sometimes for cocktails over at Saxon Pearl, depending on what kind of night it was. Um, we have Noah Singerman, who's the uh, Wine and Beverage Director. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, Wine Director. Wine Director over at Saxon & Pearl. Uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, Noah has had uh, just amazing experience both on the West Coast uh, and here on the East Coast. He's worked at a bunch of great restaurants, including the Dutch and Walter Foods. Um, now it's Saxon Pearl. Um, how did you get? How you get into it? You grew up uh, not too far from wine country, huh? Uh, I did. Yeah, I grew up in uh, in
3: Petaluma, which is uh, southern Sonoma County. Uh, and my family having nothing to do with wine. Um, but you know, growing up, I always thought it was normal to essentially drive from my house to my grandma's house in Sacramento and go through Napa and drive through vineyards. And I was like, I thought everyone grew up like that. And not until I left and went to UC Santa Cruz or uh, lived in San Francisco, well, that was a special, I guess, upbringing. Um, and so I really, uh, you know, found that uh, that being, you know, in that kind of location really helped, uh, you know, my kind of understanding of, of that area and, and what I was kind of looking to, uh, to do in that regard.
2: And now your first jobs in the restaurant industry were those in, were those while you were in college or after yeah, they were in college they were
3: you know waiting tables to make money during college um and uh and then afterwards i, I moved to San Francisco and was like oh this is this is kind of fun. I started working in slightly better restaurants, better meeting from low to lower medium <laughs> um but uh really probably the the first place that 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 i that I went to of anything of note was when I moved to Santa Barbara and started working at Wine Cask. Um, wine list was was eighty pages, and I knew nothing. And uh, and I got a chance to really just kind of dive into it and, and learn from some great people, and obviously the region as well.
2: Yeah, now we've had some uh, growers on from Santa Barbara. It feels like Santa Barbara is just absolutely blowing up, I and mean, so much interest. Uh, great winemakers, sommeliers making wine in Santa Barbara. Um, how how's it changed since the time that that you've been there?
3: Yeah, um, you know, a, a lot and and not a lot. Uh, you know, I lived there during the sideways craze. So you say it's blowing up now where I was like, well, actually, I feel like in whenever that movie came out, oh two, oh three, oh four. Mm-hmm. um, you know, it was blowing up then. And I was working at a wine restaurant. We were traveling um, the wine regions on our day off, driving into into Santa Ynez and Santa Maria and Santa Rita and, and just tromping around all these wineries. Um, so that to me was sort of the Santa Barbara heyday, but you're absolutely right. Now it's even more so, uh and you have people like like Eric Railsbeck of, of Lou D just making great wine and, and I think in a way it's it's kind of grown up as opposed to blown up more mm-hmm. in the last few years. Now all of a sudden you have you have the old school guard of, of Jim Clendenin and, and Coupe and, and the guys that have been there a long time. Um and now you have like the the younger kids as well, you yeah. know, and and just Taking that like next step, that adulthood step, where now you have more regions, you have more appellations, you have more uh, great varieties being grown. People realizing that the, some of the small areas work better for Cabernet, or the coastal areas, you know, are more specific now. So I think they're they're growing up in many ways.
2: Yeah, and and I like how on your list you have both. You know some of the the old school and and the new school. Uh, and there's I know you have coupe and and you, you definitely have some of the newer wines as well. What I mean, what's excite what excites you most about what's going on in that area? Uh, yeah, I mean I think what probably
3: excites me most is the, are the young kids are the, the people that have gone down mm-hmm. there that have have worked their way up through through sommelier or just through uh, sort of the. The kind of wine colleges, uh, you know, like uh, like Gavin Channing, who who worked with worked with Jim Clendenen and, and worked in in some uh, some New Zealand harvests as well, and sort of you know cut their teeth with with the mm-hmm. the older guard. So I think those those younger guys that that took the right path to find the knowledge, either that's academic and through restaurants, or that's with dirty hands through through the vineyard work, um, and they're just loving the oldest vines they can find they're they're really you know loving european style wines so they're trying to mimic that you know in a, in a in a good way uh, to really have that kind of respect of 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 acid to alcohol to balance and all those things yeah. that happen.
2: And I have to say, there, I feel like there's a real kindred spirit between your your list, uh, especially the the wines under 150 dollars, under 100 dollars or so, and what we have going on at, at La Pichot. I know we're sure. around the corner from each other. I don't think it's competition. I think it's a good thing. Um, but I see these wines. I'm like, ah, oh, I love the wine. And they're like, oh, we have that. We have that wine. Uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff in common. For
3: sure. I had the same experience uh, when I took the job at Saks. And I tried to go around to all the different restaurants and kind of say hi. And obviously, there's great restaurants. I knew them already. This isn't this isn't that far from the Dutch, so it's not like I I really uh, uh, is that that big of a change. But I, when I walked into to your restaurant for sure, I opened the wine list. It's at the end of the night, and I'm just like having uh, a beer, actually probably, and uh, and and some food. And I was looking through your list. I was like, wow, this is this is great. Actually, I think that we're close to each other, uh, obviously geographically, but, but, uh, philosophically as well. And, and I think that can really make for such a fun wine list to have that kind of interaction with old world and new world, uh, that interaction and that kind of playfulness that can happen.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and you have, so at, at Saxon, I, I know you have uh, a lot of American wine, especially from California and Oregon, um, some Italian wine, some French wine, some Spanish. And did I cover it all? Uh, I think there's an Austrian wine on there. Ho- more coming, hopefully, as well. Yeah, and so in that Piccia, we have uh, American and Italian. So it's like kind of comparing the old world and the new world, and celebrating the differences between them, but also saying maybe there's more in common with the good wines than than people thought, uh, you know, initially. I love that. I love your Italian varietal section, and it's not just uh, it's not just from Italy. You have the those great wines from Rhyme, and we, we right. had. Uh, we had them on the show recently, and I mean, those are—you went, like, big on rhyme. I saw yeah. you have, like, four wines from them. I do, yeah. I
3: think i, I maybe a little overboard, but they make good wine, so I'll, I'll be okay with it. You know, I'm looking for—you know, to, to have a list like that, I think it's important— to you know, when having an international list and when having a domestically focused list, you know, I really want to showcase the, the, the other grapes, I guess I would call them the, you know, you have, you know, obviously a large section of my red wines are Pinot Noir and Cabernet and those, those sell the most, and and I want those. But I think to to have that that roundedness for a list is really important. To have those those other grapes and, and wineries like like Rhyme or Idlewild uh, that are making you know interesting wines out of not not traditional if that's an overstatement not traditional grapes um, I think is is fun to have on the list, and then that way. The, the the guests sort of get to have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself, the other sommelier, gets to have fun. And that playfulness is really what we're looking to do in terms of um, you know, where the list is going in terms of people saying, oh, I like Italian wines, you know, and they're like, wait, exactly what you said. Wait, these aren't all from Italy. You're like, oh, have some fun. Let's talk about other things. Let's talk about Nebbiolo from California and, and see how it's different and how it's, how it's similar.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I love what you're doing. I feel like um, people tend to think of, you guys have had, uh, the restaurant's always had a great cocktail program um, and has, has had some really good wines. But you look at it now, and you're like, oh, someone who has a real, like, Identity, a real sense of you know a personality behind the wine list is putting this together and so uh so kudos to you on that I, I think that that those wines are're you you're doing a good job great thanks and tell us about what it's like though in inheriting how, to, how does that work when you inherit someone else's list though and you're you have to kind of put your own stamp on it and and filter out through some of their inventory see what the staff really likes to sell what's that process like yeah it's uh
3: i i for me i guess i would say i was lucky i i inherited a, a pretty strong list uh i think the the couple of predecessors before me were did did a great job with it the staff is very excited to learn um uh, and so I think that that's something that that again also made it easy for me in terms of you know alterations of the list. I, I stepped in and didn't you know didn't slash or anything. It was like everything's gone. Everything's on what I want now. It was much more like okay, let's let's let this happen organically. Let's mm-hmm. look at it when when items come up for reordering, uh, and let's look at that item and say, does it fit with the list? Does it fit with what we want? Is it the producer we want? The style? Are there better examples of 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 that? style region price point. Um, and let's, let's go there. And so the list has evolved. I've been there about four months now. And I think it's it's evolved in a, in a real natural way that that's worked well, so that the staff is still aware of what's going on with those changes. And they don't feel like they have to deal with an entirely new list. Um, the customers as well. and And in terms of the philosophy of the restaurant, I really wanted to have the list Mirror the cocktail program, mirror the the the, uh, the culinary program, and what's coming out of the kitchen, and say, hey, this is an American style restaurant. We have uh, big steaks and burgers and and really quality level food um, coming out the cocktail. Uh, program is is one of the best in the city, uh, and and I think what's great about the cocktail program and what I try to do with the wine list in conjunction with that is is have those that classic. I think, I think I use that word probably too much, but I think the cocktail program does that as well. They take classic style drinks and 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 cocktails and they tweak them. They add different things. They try it with a different base spirit. They uh, they muddle sugar snap peas. They use celery juice in a celery gimlet. So all of a sudden they're not they're not reinventing the wheel, but they're saying, "Hey, let's take this and let's let's give it a little tweak and a little playfulness and that's kind of what i'm I'm trying to take uh, what, what the restaurant did and does really well. And then kind of have that, uh, be for my wine list as well.
2: Yeah. And I, and I like these seasonal changes that, uh, that are going on in the cocktails, introducing some of those things like those snap peas and those green, green seasonal ingredients. Um, and, uh, the seasonal thing you've done with the wine list that I think is awesome is you open up the list and the first page is like rosé. It's like, all right, let's be frank. It's freaking beautiful outside we went through this shitty winter and like you actually just want to drink rosé don't you and so (laughs) so you have like uh 10 amazing 10 or so amazing rosés um right on the first page have you have you noticed that people are just drinking a a ton more rosés that happen already
3: it it definitely did. I mean, I, I want that, that front page, as I've kind of been calling it, page one, to, to really have a, a fun kind of topical and seasonal aspect. So, uh, you know, no nothing being really stagnant on that list, changing every month and really just having fun with it. You know, the rosé idea, I wanted to sort of be um, early on. I wanted it to happen almost while it was still chilly outside. I wanted it to happen when people were begging for spring, but it wasn't necessarily spring outside yet. Um, and then and then have that happen and, and luckily the weather uh, worked out for me in that regards where then let the spring hit while that page is still there and then all of a sudden it just kind of explodes and that, and that's what's happened we opened our our terrace last week maybe a little longer ago and um, and it just kind of and it just kind of blew up people are drinking rosé out there people are just having fun with it I have. I think I have three three four different countries so Italy Spain and and domestic uh and France and um and just just uh, again that kind of playfulness that that we're doing the rosé page I think is is tons of fun and I'm excited to have it on I'm excited for it to 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 go away uh all summer long not to not rosé sales but the page itself and uh kind of educate the staff while it's still kind of early on in the season and then and then now they know everything they need to know for the rest of the summer and i think that's that's fun and we'll 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 play around with some more stuff for next month
2: i you know i love it i see just so many of my favorite rosés on there like the matthiason and arno roberts and Valentini, which I would argue is the greatest rosé in the entire world. It's also this cute little squat bottle that's just awesome. And uh, and my my house rosé, what we drank at home all summer long last year, was the red car rosé, the Pinot Noir. I think that is just like the most delicious sessionable wine oh absolutely yeah <laughs> pinot noir it's it's bright and fresh it's a colorful bottle it's
3: it's uh it's so much fun it's i feel like if if i could have pictures on the wine list like that bottle would would sell even better if there was like a picture of it because it oh, yeah, it's is, just it's like so super
2: fun. super festive yeah um what else is selling well what uh, other than rosés what, what what kind of wines do do well um, you know, we're, we're kind
3: of all over the place. I mean, I think
2: that, uh, you know, I think that obviously Sauvignon Blanc and and, uh, you know, what is it with that? I mean, at all of our people come in and ask for Sauvignon Blanc to like all of our Italian restaurants. Like, right. Even like Sancerre, like they'll come into like Delaunay and ask for Sancerre. Right. And why, why is well, why I, do you think that is? I don't know.
3: My, my favorite part is I don't like Sauvignon Blanc, but do you have Sancerre? Uh, it's probably my favorite question of all that I get on a regular basis. Uh, um, but, yeah, I, I, A, I don't know the answer. Uh, B, I think I think they're easy wines to drink, and I don't mean that in a bad way in any way. I think they're, they're, they're fresh, and they're lively, and they're bright, and they're, they pair well with food. So there's, there's like, nothing offensive about it. Um, I, I kind of have this thought for maybe in the middle of the summer I'll have, like, a, a not, not Sauvignon Blanc page and just have crisp white wines that anybody who likes Sauvignon Blanc will like these wines too, uh, kind of thing. I love and that idea. Yeah, I think it, that, that, that's in the middle of the summer when it's just blazing hot out and we cannot keep Sauvignon Blanc on the shelf. Just put a whole bunch of other fun wines out there that are like, not, not that. But, uh, you know, I think what's, what's fun about Sauvignon Blanc is, is as the sommelier is on the floor five nights a week, I really am able to... Uh, help people to alter that as well. Uh and and we have, you know, even just a, a buy the glass option. We have this great uh Grüner Veltliner from Einer. Uh their 10th generation. Their their vineyards go back to the 1500s. And I always think Grüner Veltliner is a great uh foray away from sauvignon blanc. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not going to offend anybody. It's not going to be really difficult to to understand in in the mouth and 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 how people are enjoying it and you know, I usually give simple words of like if Sauvignon Blanc is, is lemon zest and gruner is lime zest and people go, oh, okay, I like that. And you're like, great. So, you know, those little steps. And I think that's that's my job as a, as a sommelier on the floor. It's my job as someone who, who loves sort of education and whether that's within my staff or within the guests uh, or within my friends for that matter. Uh, you know, having people take those little steps, kind of out of their comfort zone, I think is uh, can be a
2: lot of fun. I, you know, I love it, and we've done that with uh, with prosecco at the restaurants. And it's not that I I don't hate prosecco, but uh, we just haven't had prosecco because I feel the same thing. You know, that opportunity to show someone something new. You Absolutely. know, there's there's a, a hundred other Italian grapes that that make sparkling wine. Don't just drink Prosecco. Right. Don't just drink... Something. Unless... I mean, I like Sauvignon Blanc sometimes, too. Me but too. Uh, Depending. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of Noah, the wine director at Saxon and Parole. In a little bit.
1: And today's break song called Kill Me in the Summertime by the Dead Stars. This is HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Program was brought to you by visitnapavalley.com. Welcome to the Napa Valley, North America's legendary wine and food capital, where the art of living well is defined, and each season holds a story waiting to be discovered. Life feels slower here lived at a place where tables are set with care. Fine wine and food are created from the bounty of our own vineyards and gardens. And relationships with friends and family gathered around the table are somehow sweeter. When planning a trip to the Napa Valley, we invite you to visit the destination's official visitor website. Visit NapaValley.com or stop by Napa County's Official Visitor Information Center, located in downtown Napa, where our friendly and knowledgeable community ambassadors can assist you in creating your own legendary Napa Valley experiences. The Visitor Information Center is located at 600 Main Street, Napa, and is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., 7 days a week, 360 days a year. Your invitation to experience the Napa Valley beckons. Take a deep breath, lose yourself in our quiet green and golden hills, renew your body and spirit, taste our legendary wines and cuisine, and experience the people who make this valley like no other in the world. For more information, go to visitnapavalley.com.
2: All right. And we're back on In the Drink. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, here with Noah Singerman, the wine director of Saxon and Parole. Um, And Noah, um, I know that you have a uh, special event coming up uh, we were just chatting about. Maybe you can tell us a little little bit more about what you're doing with your Page One series.
3: Absolutely. So we we talked about Page One before. That's the Rosé, Rosé, Rosé page for this month. Uh, That's going to be changing regularly. And then when the the new uh, page comes out, we're going to be having a, a kind of,